0: Hey, so we were supposed to do Us this week. However, Jeremiah wasn't able to show up. Rather than just go myself and give the movie the short shrift, I decided to do a rerun of a Real Roulette episode from four years ago. Four years ago in October, actually. And this was with Aaron Donaldson, who we had on our Alien episode, and we also had him on the Man of Steel episode. I used to host Real Roulette with this guy Zach Lakenbrook. Fucking great. His brother Connor was on our Whiplash episode. We went to do a season two and Aaron was with us for like the final eight episodes of the podcast. And I just thought it was a fun horror movie. Thought it would be fun for this. And just a little extra. Um, So the title of our podcast, A Cosmic Void, Jeremiah came up with the idea of having cosmic in there somewhere because initially the idea was to have like science fiction and horror movies. We threw in void because we're trying to think of something to match with cosmic. And void made me think of nowhere spaces, which is a term that will be talked about in this episode. It's kind of a tribute to this terminology that I learned from Aaron Donaldson. So I won't step on that when it comes up in the episode. But this is us talking about Deep Lucy. I think it's a goofy, fun episode. And next week, we'll be back doing our regular thing.
1: Welcome to Real Roulette, I'm Biggs. And I am Aaron, and Biggs, it's good to be back on Real Roulette, we took a little bit of a break there, but we told everyone we would be semi-regular, so no one can complain too much, right? We've agreed that all is well. <laughs> Part of it on my end was like finding more content, like I was
0: finding a bunch of people that are are on the network now, so we got movies with wrestlers, Oh yeah, we got <laughs> Geek Lantern's Light, and we got two more <laughs> down the pike, maybe even three, so...
1: On the not-safe-for-network, you mean? Um, Yes, on
0: the not-safe-for-network, Aaron.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Awesome. Great plug, Biggs. Um, So, my question for you here at the top of this episode is, I don't know about you, but... I thought this movie was really bad. Big surprise. That's what I say. Pretty much every movie that we watch on this show, it seems. Not always, but uh, one of these days I'm going to like one of these movies. I promise. But I think you like Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Soft spot there for nationalism and American exceptionalism for sure. Good episode that one. Um, no, but um, no. There's a few people in my life, and they are people whose opinion about movies, honestly, I respect. Who like this movie? Do you like yeah. this movie? Did you so like? So I never, movie? I'd
0: never seen it before. Uh, it was one I was meant to watch because people are always like, "Oh my god, Deep Blue Sea!" Like it, it definitely has a bit of a cult behind it. Yeah. Um, I expected it to be super bad, like a so bad it's good movie. And what I uh-huh. discovered was like it wasn't terrible, but. I was a little let down by that because I wanted something that was so bad that I would just laugh through it. That being said, <laughs> there's a lot of those scenes to laugh at, which we will Any definitely Any particular off the out. top
1: of your head that you remember scenes that are so bad that they're good from this movie? I have like, yes. one thing I would say. What would you say?
0: Uh, so one thing that really stuck out to me, and it's such a 90s trope, but there's a scene where uh, LL Cool J he is he's got his kitchen flooded, okay? Like he's a, he works in the kitchen, it's flooded. Uh-huh. Preacher and,
1: is his name. Yep. Yeah, the Preacher. Cook, the chef, and, uh, the inexplicable chef that sticks around through the weekend to feed these four <laughs> people or five people. <laughs> whatever it's it a is. good
0: thing because he's
1: the hero of this movie. He's not I supposed know. to be, but he is. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole IMDB about like how his character was supposed to be Thomas Jane's character, but Thomas Jane didn't want to be the chef. So they wrote him a new part, apparently. I don't know. It's on IMDb. You can read it. Well, I'm glad that worked
0: out, because LL Cool J is great in this. He's
1: necessary in this movie, and the music that he contributes, obviously, we will get there, but right.
0: Yeah. So the shark comes after him. Mm -hmm. and uh, I think the oven's open and there's oven gas coming out of there or something so he throws a lighter at it and then like there's a giant fireball and because it's the 90s even though he's standing in water
1: he has to leap forward as a fireball goes past him (laughs) if if your feet are not on the ground in the 90s you cannot be hurt by fire this is true um, clearly established you don't even have to be like initially like for me the the, the moment I realized this was commando if you remember commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. there are multiple grenades that land very close to him but he just lunges and leaps away when the explosion happens and somehow just shrapnel and concussion be damned NBD, he just stands up and pop 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 like machine guns, all the bad guys. No big deal, right? So my initial feeling was that you had to be lunging, flying, but other movies, they're not even really lunging. They just kind of jump up in the air like they do the, I love what you do for me, Toyota leap, if that's not too dated <laughs> of a reference, where they just put their their hands straight up and their legs kick back and you just leap straight up. If your feet are not on the ground, explosions can't hurt you. They can't. They don't. It's true. I don't know why more people didn't do that. Like, you know, in war zones, when you're charging the fortified position, (laughs) you just have little hoppers going, you know, little bunny hop all the way up the hill. And none of that artillery fire ever apparently will hurt you. Yeah. And
0: we we talk about tropes all the time in this movie, but there was no trope. No trope. That was more evident in the 90s if it was an action movie than jumping from a fireball. It was like every movie you had to get a bigger and bigger fireball. And once they got CGI, those fireballs got so big, (laughs) Like before you had like Lethal Weapon 3 fireball where they're like... Yeah, we're going to we got these flamethrowers and all this stuff like it's going to be really cool. And then they got CGI and they're like we can do like seven
1: flamethrowers. <laughs> well, I read somewhere and I don't remember where if it's you know reliable or not, but apparently the Fifth Element was the largest indoor explosion ever. And so it's like I, I do think you're right That like Lethal Weapons Some of these movies You just get this Onset of We need big billowing Flames Or To harken back To our episode About the trailer park boys We need golfing And golfing flames the Flames just <laughs> need to be Golfing everywhere Right Like So um, <laughs> You know It's It's like We were talking In the Top Gun episode About how in the 80s We said this on the Alien Movie Project The other show On the Not Safer Network If we're plugging away Um We were talking On that episode About how like You know, sunsets, I always say, are like really cheap shots in the 80s. It looks like special effects, but it's not. It's just a beautiful pink and orange sky. So any chance you get to film a sunset in the 80s, we will open and close the scene on that because it's just glorious and great. I think that somewhere in the 90s, they're like great big billowing you know flame balls are the way to go and we'll just get as big <laughs> as we can and then you're right as soon as like the matrix shows up and they're like we can do a complete immersive computer movie now it doesn't just look like you know who flamed ro- framed roger rabbit or whatever no the it's first- who f- who flamed roger yeah, rabbit now. that's what i said yeah right no it's like <laughs> they just go straight there they're just like all right well how big can this explosion get <laughs> <laughs> good job hollywood good job
0: well we should start this as we always start this with the trailer
1: tell me mr franklin have you ever known anyone with alzheimer's no what if you could end all that suffering with a single pill give me till monday morning 48 hours i'll give you results that'll skyrocket your stock price in the most advanced research facility in the world wow
0: beneath its glassy surface a world of gliding
1: monsters a team of specialists is working against the clock did someone order the fish
0: on an experiment to benefit mankind
1: sharks never show any loss of brain activity as they age with this close to the reactivation of human brain cells.
0: but before they can save millions of lives
1: Tell me, I didn't see that. They recognize that gun. It's impossible.
0: Sharks do not swim backwards; they can't.
1: They'll have to find a way to save their own. Can you feel the tension building here? <laughs> this is a lot of high-pitched strings for a movie trailer. Just what the hell did you do to those sharks? Did you feel something? Jim and I use gene therapies to increase their brain mass. What is that? As a side effect, the sharks got smarter. As a side effect? (laughs) Somebody, please, tell me what that is. That was not the Jaws theme that you just heard there. Yeah. That bonk, bunk bonk, bunk. There's those hammer hits. This big metal bonk, 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 bonk,
0: bonk. I think you you talked about that in the Star Trek 2 episode of AMP,
1: right? Yeah, Alien Movie Project Wrath of Khan episode. We had Scott Murphy from the University of Kansas come on to talk about Hammer Blows, he calls them. Wow, that sounds like a good movie, Biggs. I didn't
0: didn't hate it. I'll put it this way. I didn't hate it. Okay. Uh, It wasn't as bad as I hoped for, but it wasn't like... It wasn't Jaws, which is (laughs) a great movie, but... Yeah. Which is also, weirdly enough, with shark movies, Jaws is always known as a horror movie, which is really weird, because if you actually watch Jaws, not in 1976, it's not a horror movie. There's like maybe three scary scenes but it's like it's an adventure movie very much and every other shark movie is a horror movie and so it just it just seems weird that like jaws is the one with the reputation but it's the only one that's not
1: yeah i've seen jaws i don't remember much of jaws again i'm like not a big horror fan in general. And because Jaws is always represented mm-hmm. as a horror movie, does that make sense? That's kept yeah. me from seeing it. So hear you saying that makes me want to think I should go back and watch it again because it really does occupy a really, um, immediate place in the, the, you know, the lore of cinema. And it's not always with adventure tropes though. It's always with like scary horror tropage, right? Like we, the, the theme music is the one that a lot of people point to. There's more horrific stuff in Raiders with, like, <laughs> the face melting
0: and stuff. Like, like for yeah. real. I'm being serious on yeah. this. But Deep Blue Sea doesn't get that lesson. They don't, like, reinvent the wheel. It's the just problem- another shark movie where they kill a lot of people.
1: Well, that's it. It's, like, the scary part about the ocean. And at some point, if we get a chance, I want to talk about, like, just drowning and the fear of drowning. Because for the first, like, ten minutes of this movie, the sharks are not the threat. It's the water. Yeah. It's the rising water levels, and you get a lot of the scenes where the chins are just right up against the water level, and the ceiling is right pressing on the forehead, and you're waiting until the last possible minute to take that last breath, and then you gotta do the thing, you know, and... To me, that's always been a really effective trope to use in a movie, this idea of suffocation, the idea of drowning, um, especially in a really immersive environment like a movie theater or watching a movie late at night. I've always felt, and I think this is safe to say other people feel this way, that it works. Like you find yourself kind of gasping for air. You find yourself wondering if you could hold your breath long enough. You get it? Yeah. And. I think that this movie accomplishes that in certain parts. And what it kind of reminds me of a little bit is... The older version of the Poseidon Adventure. Did you ever see that movie? Yes. Yes, I have. What, actually, I think it's got OJ Simpson, right? It may. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I don't <laughs> remember what year it came out. Um, all I remember is that I saw it when I was young, you know, so I was pretty impressionable and very naive. And, and it scared the shit out of me because this whole boat just flips upside down and everyone's running around on the ceiling and the boat itself is sinking. Right. And there's just all these different ways that water is going to kill you, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. But then the problem I was leading to with this movie is that it's right at, you know, the point, I think, where you get the concept of computer generated effects taking a large leap, but they're not quite as immersive as they're going to be. And they still fail with something as... you know difficult conceptually as like a swimming shark does that make sense
0: yes so you you actually nailed it when you when you talked about the matrix how stuff took a a big step forward because i really i really think um you have like two really crucial movies with cgi the first is terminator 2 yeah because when terminator 2 comes out everybody's like oh wow we can actually because cgi was around before that but it looked horrible so they didn't use it.
1: Well, it had to be really selectively used. It had to be really particularly placed and the plot had to have a spot for it. Like Tron could get away with it and other kinds of things could right. get away with it if you wrote it in in a way that it was going to look a little toony or spectacular or whatever.
0: This is crazy. I'm bringing this up but this is true. Uh, Steven Spielberg looked at CGI for Jaws. Like they oh, had it back in the 70s. Yeah, but, but it, it wouldn't was, have worked. He was like, it just looked horrible. It did, Like there was just no way. This movie comes out in, what, 99 or something like that? 90... Yeah, so that's that's what I was going to say, is The Matrix comes out in 99, this comes out in 99, but filmmakers have not seen The Matrix yet. Right. So, we're still right before that last leap that we take with The Matrix, you know? Because I feel like from The Matrix forward, that's when you can
1: actually get CGI that actually holds up and works. It's immersive. It's really immersive. It's, it's to a point where you can Make it do pretty much whatever you want. You know, you can spin around characters. You can make the whole environment out of a computer. You can destroy and rebuild the environment out of a computer if you take long enough to put it together. And on and on and on. And the thing that you learn in every, like, behind-the-scenes documentary that I've seen anyway, and I've watched a couple of these. They always say some version of the same thing. That the eye is trained to look for peculiarities. Yeah, We're trained. We're literally – our eyes and our brain work together to find things that are just not quite right because that's always meaningful information, you know, one way or the other. And when it comes to graphics and computer design, that's a real nightmare because it means a perfect circle that's not quite perfect is going to look sloppy. And, you know, a, a CGI critter that doesn't quite move the way it's supposed to looks like a damn cartoon. Yeah. and And with, you know, sharks – anything underwater I would say you would think that that would be easier because they're not like load-bearing creatures or whatever but it's really hard because the water dynamics are really complicated and the way that they move is really you know natural and fluid and when they tried to render it every time I saw the sharks every single time I was pulled out of the movie and I'm like that is ridiculous like it <laughs> looks and they, they lavished it you know they were really like yeah look at these sharks <laughs> but they're just not working <laughs> for me whereas with jaws what little i've seen of jaws is like okay that looks pretty scary like that looks like a big goddamn shark coming out of the water because to some extent that's what you had and they did have like apparently the one one of the things i was listening to to get ready for this was the how did this get made episode on earwolf about this <laughs> which is like 106 or something definitely worth a listen to really really funny yeah always but that episode especially apparently they used Boeing engines to make some of these sharks so um, they are some forms animatronic, but there's definitely clear CGI moments and they just ripped me out of it and it just didn't work. So
0: Yeah. I and I agree with you on the effects. It's uh it's more there's things that make me laugh enough in this movie where it didn't feel like a total waste of my time. Yeah. But we'll get into those in just a minute. I gotta read the synopsis here. Yeah. So IMDB had a pretty good one. I only had to edit for length a little bit. Uh, oh, good. So yeah. It's not Top Gun where we're
1: going to get all the coordinates and the distances of every jet that was (laughs) flying throughout the whole movie. What every character is thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And he was concerned because he had waffles that morning instead of his usual eggs. (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, I don't think this was based off a novel, so we're fine. Oh, good okay at aquatica
0: a remote former submarine refueling faculty converted into a laboratory a team of scientists is searching for a cure for alzheimer's unknown to the other scientists dr susan mcallister violates a code of ethics and genetically engineers three mako sharks to increase their brain capacity so their tissue can be harvested as a cure but side effects to make the sh- uh, shark smarter faster and more dangerous After one shark escapes and attacks a boat of teenagers, which I think is the opening scene. It is the uh, opening, yep. Aquatica's financial backers send corporate executive Russell Franklin to investigate the faculty. To prove that the research is working, the team manages to remove brain tissue from the largest shark. While examining it, Dr. Jim Whitlock is attacked by a shark and his arm is bitten off. So
1: that's the scars guard. The scars guard. He's mostly homeless. <laughs> mostly. The scene where he gets thrown at the window is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen yeah. in a movie. And that's the other thing where it's like, yeah, the the sharks aren't quite right. So, okay, you know, that's fine. But it, if it was just that, it wouldn't be a problem. But what the fuck was that where the shark is swimming <laughs> along with the scars gone, and he throws him at the window! He's like, it's like the biggest fuck you, the biggest possible fuck you that a shark could make would be like, I'm gonna throw this person at the window where all the people are looking. Like, that's intense. I
0: think it's because it's a Papa scars guard, and he's so powerful that he knows he'll go through the windshield. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's the only explanation I have, because you would think he could ram
1: it. He's got the quality Scarsgard, so he's convinced... The shark knows that he will He's not just smart enough to know that throwing this person at the window will terrify the people inside of the thing, right? But he's smart enough to know which scars guard he he's got, <laughs> so he knows it'll go through the window. He's
0: genetically modified to know to go for the Alpha Skarsgård. That's what it is.
1: In that How Did This Get Made episode, they talk about whether or not the shark knows what an oven is and whether or not it knows how to turn on the oven to kill L.O. Cool J. (laughs) And it's just, like, totally impossible. Like, the the sharks would know that if you destroy the facility that they're in, then it'll sink and they can get out. That kind of makes sense if they're super smart. But the idea that there's this box that if I turn this dial, it'll fill it with gas and then an igniter will start a flame that will heat the box so that the (laughs) things inside can get hot. (laughs) Like that takes a lot of other knowledge it takes a lot of context you know to make that or that a
0: shark can understand that every level you go into as it fills (laughs) with water this base is going to sink so that the fence goes down far enough Uh, that it can get through it so that it can ram it that's the part i don't understand is like he's like is it it, how high is it the guy's like eight feet and he's like make it taller but like all the shark does is
1: ram it like don't can't sharks jump they tip this information as though it will be significant. It is not. It is no. never significant. How tall is it? Eight feet? He says, give or take a centimeter, which is like very precise. Um, but then yeah, and and wouldn't that depend on the tide? Is this thing anchored or is it floating? I guess I never really. I I, I thought it was kind of floating. <laughs> so it's hide off the water. I don't know. Listen, I'm not anyway. <laughs> I do like the idea of the facility. Can I say that? The idea of the facility and the storm and the, th- the whole thing sinking and a bunch of people on it, like a bunch of rats trying to get out. That would be a very interesting movie to me. That would be you don't need the, the, the smart sharks trying to <laughs> throw people through windows, but you do need
0: LL Cool J <laughs> if you're going to pull it off because he's fantastic
1: and Samuel oh. L. Jackson probably like, for oh, sure, both definitely of them need to be in there. Yeah.
0: I actually felt like he was a bit underused in this, uh, for all the amount I heard about Samuel Jackson. His
1: death is amazing. You can see it coming a mile away. He goes and looks in the water and then starts a monologue, at which point, to quote our friend Matthew (laughs) Campbell, he's already dead. Like, when you go, if you're, If there's a cliff and you go stand next to the cliff and start a monologue, you're already dead. If there's a pool of water and you start your monologue, you're dead. (laughs) These are all things that will kill you. You're smoking a cigarette next to a fuel tank and you start a monologue, you're dead. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. Well, we're
0: not there yet, but let's just play that clip really quick because it's it's fantastic.
1: Thank God. So we're not going to fight anymore we're going to pull together and we're gonna find a way to get out of here
0: first we're gonna seal off this
1: it's so sudden it is so incredibly (laughs) and again so like computery the shark looks like something from sega genesis eats samuel l jackson dude and it
0: just like chomps two that's what I love is like with the exception of the scars guard that it Rams like <laughs> the windshield every time a shark kills somebody it just like violently chews them like over and yeah. over again <laughs> like I don't think sharks operate like that but
1: the music goes hard for horror too you get this like soaring like choir like oh so intense while this cartoon shark is just munching away on samuel l jackson like or you know whoever they're eating it's it's like this mix between wanting to be horrific but being cartoony and dumb at the same time and so it just loses me yeah like i could see why people would like it i get that there are moments that make it but the thing is a lot of the people that like it always talk about the sharks <laughs> Like, i, I, I think a lot part. of those people like went to the movie in
0: 1999 and just oh, haven't rewatched it <laughs> but uh <laughs> let me finish up the synopsis here so
1: oh yeah there's more <laughs> I, wait can we, do we just real second talk for a second about the science of the thing that they're talking about where they just like Where, again, in the 90s, beyond computer technology, we also have the fMRI machine, which is Uh making brain science a really big deal. And so they're like, we're just going to squirt some of this juice on brains, and they'll just start living again. That's how it works. (laughs) And it's just immediate. It's literally just like eyedropper of brain juice. She's like, give me 48 hours in the trailer, and your stock prices will soar. Because all she has to do is break this ethical thing and squirt the brain juice on directly on the thing. Oh, my God. It's so ridiculous how quickly it works. Yeah, it's. It's like,
0: pretty, it's pretty.
1: Wow. Uh, unbelievable. But,
0: uh, so the towers operator calls a helicopter to evacuate Jim after he gets his arm bit off by a shark, but a strong hurricane causes the helicopter to lose control, crash into the tower, killing her and the pilots, one of the sharks uses Jim's body as a battering ram to smash an underwater window, as we said, flooding the research facility and freeing the other sharks. Susan confesses to the others that she has genetically altered the sharks. Susan, Russell, Carter Blake's, Janice Higgins, and Tom Scoggins make their way to the top of the center while delivering a dramatic speech emphasizing the need for group unity. We already heard this.
1: We know what happens. Uh, Tom Scoggins. That's that guy's name. Tom Scoggins that sounds like samuel jackson right <laughs> it's not samuel jackson's character that's um what's his fucking name um, oh is that I thomas it. jane it's, uh, god damn it it's um michael Rappaport. Rappaport is tom scoggins yeah yeah samuel jackson is russell franklin and thomas jane is carter blake okay and saffron burroughs is dr susan McAllister. Yes. okay
0: i didn't write down any of the names but i recognized everybody in this movie from something like even the operator was janice and the sopranos
1: nice hmm. interesting I, I watched the Sopranos but I don't really remember it so
0: let's see here so while climbing up the industrial elevator a ladder falls and gets wedged between the walls of the shaft leaving them dangling over the water Janice loses her gri- grip and falls despite Carter's attempt to save her she is devoured meanwhile the she sacrifices
1: herself doesn't she doesn't she make the choice
0: uh, I'm trying to remember feel I feel like, like she, she makes panics the and choice. jumps in there or something
1: I don't know I feel like she makes the choice on purpose and tells him to do the thing, thinking she might be saved, but obviously not saved. You're right.
0: That's exactly what happens. You're right. I just remember her screaming so much before that. Because
1: she was kind of written to be a hero, and they didn't decide she was the villain until the last minute, the IMDb said or something. Oh, really? Yeah, it was literally very last minute where the writers and the director were like, let's make LL Cool J the hero because everybody likes him. Yeah. And she'll be the villain. And they cut out a few scenes to make her seem less sympathetic. And there we can talk about kind of latent sexism and stuff if we want to. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway keep going get to the end there
0: uh let's see meanwhile the cook sherman preacher dudley is attacked by the first shark but manages to blow it up throwing a lighter into the kitchen oven that's turned on he then runs into carter tom and susan traumatized by janice and russell's death tom goes with carter to the flooded lab because the controls to open a door to the surface or in the lab the largest shark attacks him and tom is devoured susan heads into the room to collect the research the second shark follows and almost eats her but man- she manages to electrocute it with the power cable killing it suddenly though at the cost of destroying her research in the pro- process let's talk oh about God. that scene for a quick second how did, do you remember how she keeps the shark at bay before oh. she gets the uh, the? <laughs> no, <what does laughs> electric she do? cable? She stands on a table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These giant sharks that are fucking throwing people through <laughs> windshields and biting arms off and like swimming backwards and all this shit. She just stands on a table with like at least five inches of her foot in the water, and it just like seems like it's at bay. It doesn't know what to do because she's on a table. It hasn't figured out... We, we've established that aliens... They don't understand door technology. Right. Clearly, sharks don't understand table technology.
1: They understand boats. It's not that the sharks don't know what's up above them, because at the very beginning of this movie, it's literally a shark punching through a boat to get at people. Through the middle of a boat. The middle. Like, multiple, like, crunch, crunch, smunch, crash. Here comes the shark. Like, I'm punching through your fucking boat to eat the people in the boat. But, like, table is just beyond them no there's i do remember that and it was and then she stands on her wetsuit so that she doesn't get electrocuted um because <laughs> it grounds her with rubber but it's soaked
0: but in it's the water soaked. in the water it's soaked
1: it, the whole thing is soaked like it, and she's wet and it's in <laughs> children children listen this this will need like you will not evade sharks this way nor will you survive electrocution um two great ways to die uh in one little scene right here but she does she kills the second shark
0: you just explained something that i thought was even dumber than it actually was because when i saw her standing on the wetsuit i thought she was doing it to get a boost higher to the power
1: cable <laughs> <laughs>
0: I didn't put it together with the rubber. I was just excited when you started saying that because it's like, oh, that's what she was doing. <laughs> it's a horrible so, idea but at so least it makes more sense thought, than getting a boost. You thought the
1: folded distance that you get on top of the wetsuit <laughs> was just that much more higher away from the shark? Like, that's what she's going after? That was the whole move? That's impressive. Okay. I thought that's you know, what I the get movie it. Yeah, was no, trying no, to tell No, us, no it's yeah. the movie. Now I could see why. Like, it's... I don't know. <laughs> it's... It is really funny that when she's on top of that table, the shark can do just nothing at all about it. It would be like in Jurassic Park if the kids got on top of the table and the velociraptors are just like, well, now what are we going to do? Like, shit. They're, they're on top of the table. Rats. Yeah.
0: Fortunately, Velociraptors in Jurassic Park understand door technology, so they were able to get to people.
1: It's so good. I think it's the Simpsons or the family guy that does the scene where the raptor pushes the key through the lock and catches the key with a newspaper under the door. And pulls it. did you ever see that it's so good it, it takes it like one more where they the key is still in the lock so the raptor uses its talon to push the key out and catches it on a newspaper it's like that's smart like that's damn whoa dinosaurs were fucking smart that's impressive but not as smart as these sharks no. apparently. Well, because they've got neuroscience testing going on the, right. the health the harvard accord was violated i don't know brain science It works. Okay. So, Carter, Susan, Preacher go to the top of the
0: research center through a decompression chamber and swim to the surface. Preacher is caught by a third shark and dragged through the water, but he swims to safety after stabbing the shark in the eye with his crucifix, forcing it to release him. Carter then realizes that the sh- third shark is trying to escape to the open sea and that the sharks have made them flood the facility so that they can escape through the weaker mesh fences at the surface. Okay, so I guess the mesh is lighter at
1: the top. But not to be jumped over, just to punch through. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh susan in an
0: effort to distract the third and final shark cuts herself dives into the water when she's attempting to climb out the ladder breaks and she's devoured by the shark carter at this point has dived in to try and save her but was too late
1: this is the one who sacrificed herself susan sacrificed herself yeah. i was premature on that sorry but still it's not describing the fact that she sacrifices herself yeah the first lady definitely falls accidentally. That's clear.
0: Yeah, I thought she like screamed a lot. Yeah, yeah, that like, <laughs> and, like, like, because the ladder
1: fell and it, they did the thing where you're holding on to the ladder and it falls and then the ladder hits the thing, but that makes you lose your grip. Like I've seen that. Oh, in, like, that's right. Yeah. And
0: they're climbing across the ladder like a jungle gym. That
1: might have happened in the Poseidon Adventure, actually. Now that I mentioned that, like that's super tropey. It happens in cliffhanging movies and stuff like that too.
0: The fucking shark leaps up. And throws the girl's half body up it's, at them. It's
1: not that they can't leap. It's just that tables are too high. To Tables are too high. <laughs> fences are too... Like, I don't
0: want to land on that fence. That'll yeah.
1: impale me, I guess. Yeah. And that table... Like, can they just not understand tables? It's like a blind spot. It's like a conceptual blind spot <laughs> with sharks. <laughs> They just don't even understand that it's possible. (laughs) It's their vision.
0: Like their vision just can't quite like. Right. It it can't quite like understand what a table is. You know how
1: like with, with animals that have eyes on the side of their head, they've got the blind spot in the middle. It's that except it's up just a little bit with sharks. Right. We've, we've figured this out.
0: Managing to dodge the shark's attack and grab hold of its fin, he is pulled through the water with it. Preacher, despite his injuries, grabs a harpoon and shoots the shark through its dorsal fin, but the spear goes through Carter's thigh. As the shark breaks the fence, Carter is attached to the shark by the harpoon and tells Preacher to connect the trailing wi- wire to a car battery. I just want to like reaffirm this really quick before I finish reading this, that it's a car battery that it's attached to. Sending an electric current through the wire to the explosive charge in the harpoon, blowing up the final shark in a spectacular fashion. It is revealed that Carter managed to free himself in time and he swims to the wreckage of the facility and joins Preacher in time to see the worker's boat en route to the horizon. Now, he attaches this fucking cable from a shark fin to a car battery
1: and the motherfucker blows up as if it's an oven. (laughs) <laughs> like, well, they filled... Um, You did see them filling the shells. I think they took flare shells and broke them open and then filled them with gunpowder. And he was saying something like, this is the equivalent of a bunch of TNT. But this is, again, another one of those moments where as soon as it does explode, and it really, like, kablooey. Yeah. With, like, again, significant concussive effect. Thomas Jane somehow must have, like, porpoised out of the water. Because, obviously, the only way he survives this is if his two feet are not on the ground. Like... Like, anything else anywhere near that kind of an explosion, even in the water, is going to have some pretty, you know, substantial trauma to their brain, their eardrums, and probably their body in general. Um, It's, you know, another really good example of that, at least. You know, that's that you <laughs> blow up that shark it, it's just the 90s with the explosions
0: man it's the best
1: when they blew up the shark the good thing was they had the big pieces of the shark coming down and it made me think of that story it's a true story of when they blew up the whale in oregon here yeah kind of oregon you know yeah. this story right yes i don't remember where do you remember where it was that did this
0: I don't remember where, but weren't they trying to blow it up to move it? And instead, there's just pieces everywhere.
1: Well, they didn't know what to do, and so they just decided to pack it with TNT and blow it up. And, you know, that's really good until you remember that things that go up come down. And what's coming down is great, big, like, <laughs> massive, like, whale steaks. Like, huge chunks of whale pieces that will kill people and smash cars. It didn't kill anybody, but it did destroy, I think, some vehicles and, like, smash a bunch of... Like, it's big, traumatic pieces of whale meat coming back down. And they didn't... And also, carcass was still there at yeah, the and end. Yeah, it's it just a bloody the meat went mess up. everywhere. It didn't do the job. <laughs> it made things substantially worse. Um, but at least this time when they blew up the shark, we got to see the big pieces of... That'd be really funny if Thomas Jane survived the explosion. He was like, all right. And then he just gets clobbered by a big like whale or shark snake <laughs> coming down. <clears throat> it would be a good way for him to go out.
0: Um, I, I will say for the end, uh, it's unfortunate that they villainized the female character. But it was kind of cool that LL Cool J lived to the end of the movie because that's not a move they would normally do in the 90s. Normally, if you're black, you're the first one out. Yeah, and
1: you saw him get eaten by the shark, and you're like, here, they're going to get rid of the other black characters, so only the white people survive, but then he survives a shark attack because of Jesus. Yeah. It's got to get all preachy. This movie's really preachy. They talk about that in the How Did This Get Made episode two, and I, I saw that a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot of Jesus-y stuff going on.
0: Uh, did you catch they had this speech at the beginning where the scientist is talking to Samuel Jackson's character uh-huh. like uh, right towards the beginning and uh she says she's talking about um like he's going to pull her funding and he and he talks about like even with my reputation like I can't sing, I can't make this work or something like that like right. he's talking about how he like sunk 200 million dollars into it and it's time to pull the plug and she goes what if you could end all the suffering with a single pill? And I'm like, shouldn't you pitch this to Samuel Jackson before he put up two hundred million? Because he's like, that was a really inspiring speech you gave and stuff. And it's like, dude, she gave an elevator pitch for this for this thing. And it's like, if he already put up all this money, I assume she already did this. Like, is he just cutting her it's checks true. left and she right? Two
1: hundred thousand people suffer from Alzheimer's, as if this is something they didn't know, and yet they're already heavily invested in Alzheimer's research. Like, and, like, why did they fund it initially? They just saw it on a menu, and they're like, oh, yeah, that. We'll fund that. Let's put money in that. Hey, they're playing
0: with sharks. Let's build <laughs> this
1: giant $200 million facility. Wait, wait, wait. Does this say shark brains? Shark brains. Yeah, let's do that. How much do they want? $90 million? Yeah, we got that. Let's let's do that. It's pretty good if you're a one percenter. That's nice. Just write those checks. I got it in my
0: wetsuit over here. It's, and you can use it to climb up and reach things because it's got so much cash in I keep
1: it. going Back to this stupid fence line where they point out how tall it is, but then it's not how tall it is. It's how vulnerable to shark nose impact it is at the end. Yeah. And it's like, you know how there's always the gun introduced in the first act? It's a gun introduced in the first act, but it's not actually a gun that does the thing at the end of the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like they introduced the... <laughs> it's a gun introduced in the first act, but instead of killing someone by shooting them, it falls off the wall and hits them on the head. <laughs> That's how it kills the person or something like that. Does that make sense? Like. Yeah. I don't know. You know...
0: um, it seems like that facility was pretty far underwater, right? Like almost deep sea, at, three at the stories bottom.
1: down. They said it could go like it was three sublevels below, which would put it like thirty to fifty feet down. I guess.
0: Okay, so. It would have had to have incredibly strong glass at the bottom, right? And
1: there's a lot of it down there. Like, holy smokes.
0: <laughs> and if you can send a scars guard through that glass, <laughs> why don't you just, like, grab the scars guard again and use him to open up the fencing on the
1: top? Doesn't that make more sense? <laughs> well, because you had to flood the thing to get the fence low enough in the water... And at that point, even yeah. the Papa Skarsgard is gonna be scars guarded out and, and so you can't use him twice. You're right. He'd be pretty waterlogged. You can't re you can't re guard the scars guard He's <laughs> you, you you've only got And the other one the other scars guard can't cut it. You know, it's not it's not the Stellan Skarsgård, so...
0: Maybe it could have, like, held its teeth over its arm, over Skarsgård other arm, and made him call Alexander. There you go. And just
1: like, I know he's on a battleship somewhere. Is Stellan Skarsgård... Is he ever, like, anything besides tragic or moody? That's all I've ever seen him do is, like, grumbly moody or tragic sad, and that's it. Okay.
0: That's all. In the movie Thor... <laughs> okay. He plays a really
1: eccentric...
0: Uh, uh, astrophysicist Okay. villain and in the second one he's like naked for half of it <laughs> he like runs around naked and he's like kind of lost his mind okay that's the only time I've seen him like not what you it, just is, described is he a villain in that no no he helps out Thor oh okay oh okay interesting
1: I guess check it out naked scars
0: Garden. and he has the accent so he knows all about Thor <laughs> <laughs> well that's reassuring so he knows all the ancient legends yeah. it doesn't matter this is another movie can we go
1: back to the part that you said where you, you thought it was kind of sad that it turns out that Dr. Susan whatever is the, the villain or whatever because yeah. one of the things I did want to kind of touch on here um, is that this idea of what I, you know, kind of called like latent sexism or ambient sexism, where this movie could potentially set itself up to have a strong female lead, but it's a strong female lead that nobody likes, nobody trusts and who ultimately fucks everything up that kills everybody, including herself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like her sacrificial effort at the end is definitely sacrificial, but Thomas Jane avoids the fucking explosion and and makes his way back home. And she ends up getting eaten by the shark. Um, And not to overdo the plugging here, but in the uh, episode uh, 16 of Alien Movie Project, we talked about the abyss and how you get this kind of conflicted female lead character where we're going to put more women at the center of uh, important stories. So in the abyss, she's like the person that runs the facility. They're on like the bottom of the ocean. Does that make sense? So it's a similar kind of underwater facility and she's the one that knows how to fix it she's the one that works it she's the one that runs the whole thing but nobody likes her and so the whole movie like everyone's just calling her bitch and everyone's like talking about how fucking you know evil she is and how little they like her and with this movie you get it at multiple times where people are kind of second guessing her and telling her that she's the reason that shit's going to go wrong and there's that one scene in particular if we could listen to it that you said you found that was um where she kind of explains what she did and she just sounds like a villain and at the end she literally gets called a bitch their brains weren't large enough to harvest sufficient amounts of the protein complex so we violated the Harvard compact jim and i used gene therapies to increase their brain mass the larger brain means more protein as a side effect the sharks got smarter
0: you stupid
1: pitch it's like hollywood wanting to have it both ways does that make sense yeah
0: well i feel like one of the problems with this um and let's just let's just look past the innate sexism that's in there for just a second what really doesn't make sense about it is this movie doesn't need a villain other than the shark. Right. And I don't know why they feel like they need another villain. It's a good point. Aren't the sharks the villain? But that's probably <laughs> the sexism. It- nope, women. It's probably the sexism <laughs> at play in a way because like women the sharks scientists. are after you they killed your scars guard they threw him through a window they're like turning on ovens and trying to explode you with fireballs like they're trying to drown you and not the scars you don't need a mad scientist it's yeah you could have the accidental like oh we made we made a mistake oh that's
1: a really good point Uh, you come out of this movie and it's like you know what i thought that sharks were evil turns out it's women (laughs) (laughs) women in science (laughs) <laughs> I learned something today. Valuable lesson. <laughs> Thanks, Hollywood. Let me, get,
0: let me give you an example. Let me go with another Samuel L. Jackson uh-huh. movie here with Steven Spielberg that we just talked about because mm-hmm. Spielberg would handle it differently. Yeah. I think. Like you look at Jurassic Park okay. again. We we already brought up that yeah. movie, but uh, so the scientists in that not a bad guy. No, makes a mistake, regrets the mistake. He's
1: not a villain.
0: Mm-hmm like why is that hard to do like it
1: was in one of the biggest movies ever there's the newman guy who like there's the computer guy who's like the kind of evil foil that's true you know the guy who plays newman on seinfeld yeah i can never remember his name newman (laughs) Wayne Knight. that guy and he's like really the kind of he's not really so much the villain as he is the linchpin he's the inciting incident yeah does that make sense? Uh-huh. She's not so much just... I mean, is she the inciting incident or the villain? They play her like the... But they play him like the villain, too. Like, he's conniving, and ha ha, ha I'll have my thing, and no one cares. And So, you know, maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just this idea where, even though they have the villain, which is the shark slash dinosaur, they still need the human component to open the, the Pandora's box or whatever it is. And it's just... Less palatable when it's a woman because it plays into histories of Hollywood saying women can't be trusted, women are fucking manipulative or women don't understand things the way that men do or whatever you know like and there's a lot of that, so
0: yeah, like they they can be smart, but they're gonna fuck you all, yeah,
1: they can be smart, but sometimes sometimes too smart, whereas yeah. dudes are typically smart, and if they're dumb, they're dumb in all the right ways, <laughs> they're dumb in the ways that make them lovable. so their dumbness is okay and to be expected i mean i don't know that was one of the things i wanted to talk about and the other one if i could touch on it too real quick is the the thing i kind of mentioned at the beginning which is this idea of drowning or whatever because we're talking about the facility sinking so the sharks ultimately break it down or whatever but they also have a storm the storm doesn't does the storm matter at all (laughs) No, <laughs> no,
0: not really. No. It just matters to get the helicopter to crash <laughs> yeah. so that Kate said, they can't. This is, Kate radio said, this radio is, help. Kate I guess? said this is
1: Black Hawk down with sharks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really is just like
1: more explosions for the sake of more is explosions. Crash a helicopter for the sake of crashing a helicopter and having one great big nineties explosion. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. So the, but the helicopter. So the helicopter is what disables the facility. The sharks putting the scars guard through the window is what floods the facility, which starts bringing it down. Okay. So anyway, my whole point was didn't go,
0: didn't the sharks kind of bring down the helicopter <laughs> did then they like bite onto Skarsgård as he was going up and pull down the helicopter into the tower. That's what
1: I thought was gonna happen, but it didn't. It was like setting it up. It's like soft and over the plate and they bunt. Like it's literally the winch just fails on its own. They mentioned this in the How Did This Get Made episode and I said it right away when I saw it. When the camera focuses on the winch, it's fucked. That's it. As soon as the camera goes to the winch, any helicopter, any boat, Any, like, vehicle that you're looking at, if they're winching something, when the camera looks at the winch, you're fucked. It's gonna happen. It's gonna break. Smoke and... And then and out it goes and down goes the thing but here they've got it dangling over an ocean filled with like mega sharks super sharks and I'm like he's gonna leap out of the water spectacularly And but no if you do that you can't throw him through the window so he just the winch just fucking fails <laughs> just fails just bad winch it's just a bad day to have a shit winch if you're a scars guard and he falls into the fucking water and then under the water the shark bites him and starts dragging the helicopter away sorry i thought for sure we would have a spectacular shark leaping out of <laughs> just like setting it up
0: <laughs> no i think i just wanted it so bad that i remembered it, it
1: it seems like it should i mean even the batman movie with the shark spray this is the famous batman scene from the yeah shark repellent <laughs> The early, what is it, the 70s, 60s? When the fuck did that movie come out with the Adam West Batman? It was like
0: 1967.
1: Even they pulled the shark up out of the water, you know, so we could see the shark hanging off the helicopter. The audience wants to see that.
0: And by the way, that was a practical effect. They didn't need any CGI in 1967. <laughs> Yeah, they got a rubber shark from the novelty store. Really?
1: That was a large stuffed rubber shark. What well, you're telling me that was not a real... Oh, God, it looked it looked a little bit better than these sharks, to be honest because i I do think, and that's something to be said for Jaws in this movie. I'll say it a lot like practical effects still are where it's at most of the time. I think they just look yeah, I think computers can do a lot, but you really are trained to pick up on something that's too glitzy, too shiny, too fancy um. I'm in the weeds of what I wanted to talk about, though, is this idea of drowning in, like, water pouring in and whatnot, right? Like... Yeah. We talked about Julia Kristeva um, in episode 11 of the Alien Movie Project with The Thing, a movie that you're familiar with. Yes, love uh, it. You recommended that one for us. Objection. Julia Kristeva's got a documentary coming out about her pretty soon. She's kind of a big deal in criticism, and one of the concepts that she brings is this idea of objection, which is disgust, fear, revulsion... That kind of thing. And the whole idea of objection is it's about boundaries and the violation of boundaries and particularly taking the interior and making it exterior like vomit or blood or taking the exterior and bringing it into the interior. Like things going into your mouth and into your eyes and into your ears and things. You get it. It's just gross. Yeah. And so with this movie. I think a lot about, you know, objection as a form of horror and a way that horror works and it's all about gaping and flooding imagery. And you think about the way that water is pouring into spaces in this movie and we kind of talked at the beginning of the episode about how you kind of gasp when you see people kind of in, you know, struggling to to stay above water. There's one more drop if we could listen to it, which is the kind of sound of the the building itself groaning under the weight of the water as it's starting to break its way in. Can we drop that? That is it's, – it's it's this boundary that is an exterior boundary that it's about to be violated to the interior and it is that boundary violation that then threatens the bodily integrity, right? Because now you've got questions of not only water pressure but also like breathing the water in. And I don't know about you but this is like one of the most potent scary images that exists for me. I've had like drowning nightmares my whole life. I've had, like, big wave nightmares. Kate and I were talking a lot about, like, wave and water nightmares and drowning nightmares. Is that something that rings a bell for you? Does this scare the shit out of you, too?
0: Um... no i i think part of that comes from growing up on the coast sure uh, because i've noticed i have noticed there are quite a few people that i know around montana that have the same thing yeah Uh, our friend dub from the we had a good life (laughs) podcast i love their
1: stuff about the ocean (laughs) it's
0: so good oh dude so yeah they have like (laughs) they have And utmost respect and fear of the ocean, and they think (laughs) anybody who gets in it is crazy. And see,
1: I'm not that person. I love to swim, and I've always loved to swim, and I love playing in waves, and I love the ocean, and I grew up in Montana and all of that. But there's been this constant, like, for me, it's, I don't know, that's fucking scary, this idea of drowning, drowning in a pool, drowning in the ocean.
0: Yeah, that one one never got me, but um, the idea of something coming up, and eating me from below that's definitely something i okay. think about every now and then and yeah there are times when i swim where i'll think about that and then i have to like steal myself and be like you're being ridiculous right now even though i'm not yeah <laughs> yeah be- you don't know that what the fuck's down yeah, there? <laughs> you don't really know what's below you sometimes and that's mm. that's yeah. what's frightening to me however I watch these movies where, like, they go and swim. Like, this one has so many scenes where they're, like, swimming under and holding their breath. And I always watch Uh that, and I'm just like, I couldn't fucking make that. Like, there's no way. I would get, like, 45 seconds, and then I'd start drowning, I feel like. Like, I'm just not good at holding my breath. And so that does get me, for sure, when I'm watching the movies.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's interesting that you say the stuff coming from below, because it's like you know, in addition to this interior exterior, you know, uh, violation, boundary violation that I'm talking about, you add this other dimension to the ocean that it's just infinite, that it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And, goes, and that things below are unknown and terrifying and could be large and, you know, um, uncaring or whatever. And um, that adds a whole other level of fear because you just don't know what's possible. And it makes me think of the episode where Kate and I were talking about, for the Alien Movie Project again, where the Kate and I were talking about signs, right? And in signs, you've got the, the trope of the cornfield with aliens, and how fucking scary it is to be in the cornfield because you can walk through corn, but you can't see through it, we said. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's
0: a nowhere space.
1: It it is a nowhere space because you're alone and you can't see anything around you. And so you feel kind of isolated. But the scary part about it is that I could be right next to you and I could reach out and grab you. But you would never know because you can't see me. And you can't see me because it blocks your vision, but also because lots of leaves and stuff is are moving. And so you're constantly distracted. You don't know if that was really someone moving or just the gust of wind or whatever. And the ocean is that on a whole other level where you've got waves and motion. And so sometimes you see something move, but it could just be the shadow of a cloud or something across the surface and not something below. And so you get all these mind games going on and then the depth of the ocean, but the fact that things live in it and swim in it and exist in it, you know, like where you're just vulnerable from literally all sides at once. You're constantly at the risk of being invaded from the exterior to the interior and whatnot, like it's fucking scary and that's where I keep finding myself with this movie was that it's like if you just take out – if you make the sharks a kind of practical effect and if you make them a necessary byproduct of whatever research they're doing without the really ridiculous like now for the science montage dropping the scanner on the shark's head <laughs> um, because they make this like shgunk, shgunk, shgunk sounds and I'm just like this is way over the top. Like it's really ridiculous. <laughs> If you tone all of that shit down and just make it about this old Navy facility that experiences a storm and floods and also there's fucking sharks in the water, that'd be scary. Yeah. Like, that would be really scary. But it's all of the other goofy little moments where they try to go too hard with the computer effects or whatever that pull me out of it again and again.
0: It's the same thing that happens with a lot of horror movies where it's just like we have CGI so we can do anything so we're just going to really go for it. And they forget that it's the simplest things that can terrify you. Like Jaws is terrifying because it, it, it directly... It directly um, talks about a fear we just talked about, which is like something coming from below you or from the side of you or whatever. Right. Like it's it's just these little subtle things, and this movie just forgets all that. They're they're just like we're gonna create these giant sharks. Uh, they're gonna yeah. turn on ovens to murder people instead of just
1: <laughs> biting them. Like, biting them, right? Is it 370 or 410 for people? <laughs> Honey, what's the what's the preheat? Oh, shit, I turned Canter it on broil. I can never remember. I think <laughs> I'm going to go 310 because we can heat it up. But if we if we make it too hot, then, you know, <laughs> it's not going to work. It's just ridiculous. Oh, my God. But... I love the conspiracy theory from How Did This Get Made, where they say that the parrot isn't real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the LL Cool J has Jason a parrot. I think it's Jason Manzoukas. We're yeah. introduced to this parrot as he's like listening to his own song, which I guess is not this character's <laughs> song, but it's an LL Cool J song. and He's like cooking to it's it and he loves so it. But then like later he like steps out and, uh, Janice Soprano is like playing, uh, I'm walking on sunshine and everybody's like mm-hmm. dancing to it. Like it's an Annette Futicello, like, uh, beach movie. And he just yeah.
1: winces. He just winces because it's not an LL Cool yep. J song yep yep because he's surrounded by these idiots listening to that music yeah um oh my god and and his like we haven't talked on it we we shouldn't spend a whole lot of time on it because so many other people have talked about it what the fuck is going on with this song his hat is like a shark's fin like this thing (laughs) it is so like this is where someone should have said i don't think we should use this Like, there has to be a moment where it's like, I get what you're trying to do. LL Cool J has enough behind him. He's done lots of really amazing things with his career. Go for it. Let him write a song that will compete with Will Smith, that we can play over the credits, and maybe we'll win awards with that. And so, okay, we're going to do it. And he goes away, and for whatever reason, maybe it's not even his fault, we come back with this fucking thing, someone should be like, let's just don't, don't, don't. I don't mean to be an asshole, but what if we just don't? Like, what if we just write a, what if we use that scary choir going, ah! like, what if we use that? Like, it's just scary. People are leaving the theater. They don't need a, a song, but they, they go with
0: it. Yeah, well, that's why they play it over the because end once credits. Because it's the sunk
1: cost fallacy. <laughs> so you can optionally yeah. walk out. <laughs> well but also because and and they i mean i'm pretty sure i feel like they advertised with it didn't they weren't they like and here's the hit fucking single like they spent the money on it so like we gotta roll it out we gotta this was definitely
0: at the time and i feel like 90s was peak for this where you sold soundtracks like crazy
1: yes because again that's what will smith is doing right like and that's you know, it's, it's a. I guess we were heading into the Wollenium, weren't we? Yeah, right? I mean, well, Independence Day is like 94, 95, 96, something like that. It's somewhere in the mid-90s, right? And he didn't do like music for that, but we, we could see that coming. We could see the, the direction. Men in Black is 97, 96, something like that. And he did do the music for that. And then we hit the, the masterpiece, the Will Smith masterpiece, Wild Wild West. It's clearly his best music and cinematic performance, both coupled together. <laughs> Uh, His wild, wild west is is the deep blue sea, but that song makes a little bit of sense. My hat is like a shark's fin. I don't know what that means, and I don't know why it's tough. I don't know why we would say it in a song about fucking up other people. The whole song is like, you know, I'm going to wreck you, beat you up. I'm better than you, except with shark metaphors. So that's okay. I get that. Like rap music is all about like I'm gonna kick your ass but and sharks are badass so, okay go for that but the the, the the hook is my hat is like a shark's fin <laughs>
0: maybe he's like he's like hiding in the bushes and then you see the hat but it's too late because the hat is heading towards you but the, I but, don't know
1: but even in, in, in like if this is the best case scenario and that's not cool like that what do i know i don't know i don't know what's cool i don't know what's cool i'm a fucking like what do i know to come at ll cool j with this but i
0: gotta say at the time we would be the sample for what's cool though right like at the time i mean i am i am 19 <laughs> years old how old are you in 99
1: <laughs> i'm 19 yep that's what's cooking
0: i'm like 1920 like i actually i'm 20 now that i think about it but I'm like 19 or 20 yeah. when this movie comes out we are the sample of what's cool I never used my hat as a fin. Like I don't know what that is. So
1: it makes. I mean, there's the baseball rally cap. You know. I mean, that's kind of making like your hat as a shark's fin. Yeah. But it's not like a badass. I'm gonna. You know. It's just like I've got my hat on sideways. It looks kind of funny because I'm a fan of yeah. baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got, got nacho
0: in. cheese on my shirt and I spilled the beer <laughs> on my pants.
1: That if he wrote that song, I would get it. And my hat is like a shark's fin. <laughs> i feel like there were better hooks there had to be other drafts at least or someone somewhere should have been like let's not use this this song is not good it's not doing anyone any speaking
0: papers. of another uh um uh, miss with the music um there was this line where <laughs> the, the professor says almost everyone is at the top of their game and they just say it like it's no big deal and i was like Almost everybody like they should have had an ominous music cue right there. <laughs> dun, 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 Shit's gonna dun, go wrong. Dun. Newman's on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> and then my last my last observation on this movie, Aaron, is it's just about Samuel L. Jackson because he is a treasure. He is. Like I really feel like he is. And this movie, watching him getting eaten, was so spectacular. But I just wanted to point out he's been eaten by a shark a dinosaur and King Kong also electrocuted and thrown out a window by Emperor Palpatine. That's an amazing career. He is mm. a national treasure.
1: That's a lot of ways. And to it's die. a lot
0: of cool ways. They're all That's, cool ways to die.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think if he's ever, I mean, he's got to have been killed by an alien at some point. Boy,
0: you would think I kind of did a run through nothing.
1: and it was mostly by gun. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of gun deaths to Samuel L. Jackson.
1: Gets shot a lot. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. He's um good at shouting.
0: <laughs> shouting <laughs>
1: motherfuckers got, specifically. Yeah, motherfucker's uh the hold on to your butts line classic. That one's really important. He is, um God, I don't even know what to say about Samuel L. Jackson, besides the fact that he is good in everything. Yeah. He's kind of a caricature of himself. Yes. He's like, and so every time you see him, it's like a wink nod to the movie. It's like a meta move to put Samuel L. Jackson in the movie because now you're like, oh, Samuel L. Jackson's in this movie. And so now it's another movie that he's in. And he's got so many fucking credits to his name. It's just ridiculous. Dude, is there a
0: cooler 70 year old man than Samuel L. Jackson in the entire world? I don't
1: think there is. No, a bunch of people would come with like Rolling Stones people or whatever. And I'd be like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Because like, you know. The rockers have done their stuff, but Samuel L. Jackson is just on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's amazing.
0: I do gotta say one thing about him too. I just learned some trivia today. This is this. I love this. So motherfucker, he had a speech impediment. Uh, he had a um. What do you call it when you say the words over and over again? Um, oh, a stutter. Yeah, stutter. He had a stutter, and when he said motherfucker, like he would say it forcefully, and that would stop his stutter. So oh, okay. eventually he was able to sort of control a stutter and and, and not do it. Yeah. And so as a trip but motherfucker was his go-to word. So he tries to sneak that into every movie that he can intentionally and it's just like because it's a word that means a lot to him. That's awesome. But I thought that was cool. Like he actually has a special relationship to the word motherfucker outside yeah. of like yelling it in every movie. I just
1: thought that was interesting. Just being a A thing to say. Well, and it's, it's interesting too. I think just because like I'm a speech coach. Let's, you know, I coach speech and debate and do all this other stuff. And, you know, we learn how to, people always come and they're shy or they stutter. I've had people work with all sorts of different, you know, anxiety questions and problems with speaking. And the question is, we just have to find something that you can really live in, that you really enjoy, that you want to say, that you believe in. And a lot of times it's some big rant. It's someone just losing their fucking shit and just legitimately righteously throwing down a bunch of goddamn condemnation because that feels really good to do, you know. And sometimes we literally are at our most eloquent when we're like motherfuckering the world, you know, like – and so it's it's one of those things where, you know, the the traditional mode of speech and debate that a lot of people think of is a bunch of folks standing in a room with pencils between their teeth like, you know – Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, but it's not. It's like, you know, people fucking shouting loud and getting mad and saying swear words and getting into some really dicey territory and critical territory. And, and I think that that's the kind of stuff that animates us the most. And it is, it's, it, it pushes us to kind of our limits, you know, uh, as far as how we express and how we perform socially and we learn new registers when we get, peaked or pissed off or something like that you'd be surprised you know what you can pull off if you're really worked up about it so that's reasonable to me that's an interesting little fact i like it
0: okay well let's get to the the bechdel test here so um
1: yeah we're running long we should figure out what's next on our random journey through cinema universe here this is good stuff
0: i i counted one like one thing that Bechdel test, there's two women I don't think they ever like there was several women but I don't think they ever had a conversation with each other the closest I could I that I noticed was uh the operator like said something to the scientist but it was just one way on a talk radio and there's no talk back so I don't think that really counts
1: uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. I wasn't expressly looking. I continue to forget to look for this thing. Um, but it's definitely not. I mean, one of the things that we kept pointing out was how, you know, even though there are women in this movie, it's the men that are propelling the plot and moving the plot for the most part. But I think one is fair. There's three women in the movie. It's almost
0: completely Thomas Jane and uh, like his character and uh, LL Cool J. Like they're about the only ones who right. really move it for unless you count Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> <laughs> being hurled through a window. And I'm sorry, that's not Alexander; it's Alpha Skarsgård. I don't remember. His Stellan. Name. It's Stellan Alpha. Yeah, it's Stellan. Skarsgard. There you go.
1: I just really like. You know what I really love is this idea that here you have this doctor who's doing this like cutting edge research, and you imagine that there's this moment when you die, where you're like, "Oh shit, this is it. This is how I die. Now I know. This is this is what happens." Watch the scene where he's being thrown through the window by a fucking shark. And when he hits the glass, just look at the look on his face and imagine someone being like, really? (laughs) This is... I did did not see this coming. This is surprising. (laughs) This is... I mean, this is okay. This is, this is not what I saw coming and it's horrifying, but this is badass. Like, I'm being thrown through a window by a shark right now. That's okay. Like, if you're gonna go down, that's a good way to go down. No shame. When you show up at the gates of Saint, whatever his name is, and he's like, what happened? And you tell them that story. They got to let you in. Isn't that how that works? If your story's good enough, they let you in? I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Sure. (laughs) It's just a contest to see how fucking awesome your death was. That's the thing. Christians (laughs) think it's all about, like, being good. But no, you got to go up there and tell the dude that, you know, what happened. He's got to be like, oh, gnarly, you're in. Let's go. Heaven has been brought to you by Red Bull.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we were on we were on Netflix <laughs> since we got one on the Bechdel test that'll roll us over to Amazon. So we still have not hit Hulu yet. Yeah, and they finally got some movies too.
1: But yeah, well, it's probably good because yeah, there hasn't been much on there.
0: We're back to Amazon. So um, now we're gonna pick the genres with significant numbers. So the only number I could come up with was three for three sharks. I That's don't what know what I had. Okay, yeah, I had so, I had three sharks. That's pretty easy to figure out. So that lands us on comedy. Uh And then we need a random number here. So let me fire up the NBA draft machine.
1: Oh, I love the tumble ball. The tumble ball sound is my favorite sound, Biggs, because we know that it means that it's truly random here is the ball. Let's see, what does it say? The number is four, Biggs, a nice low number. I wanted to say the significant number was 200,000 because that's how many people have Alzheimer's. But uh, <laughs> we'd be counting for quite a while. Yeah, so please don't go with do three that sharks. to me. <laughs> okay, one, two, three.
0: <laughs> okay, so we got four?
1: Yeah, four. Oh, I've seen this in the theater. Alright, what are we watching? We got the big sick. I don't know anything about this movie. I just saw it go by on Amazon and I was I was curious about it. Dude,
0: so we got a new release. We actually that's awesome. Oh. This is a great movie. I think you're really gonna love it. I I think you're really gonna like it. Um I'm curious what you'll pull apart out of it. (laughs) But uh so this movie is um I'll just read the thing it's got here. Uh, yeah, it's the big sick is based on a real life courtship between Pakistani born comedian Camille Nanaji and a grad student Emily Gordon Zoe Kazan who fall in love but struggle as cultures clash. When Emily contracts a mysterious illness, Camille finds himself forced to face her feisty parents, his family's expectations, and his true feelings. I think you're. I think you're going to enjoy this movie. Okay. I, I'm just yeah. going to call it out. It's not, this is the, the maybe the first movie we got in a real roulette. That's not a hokey. Like it's definitely <laughs> a comedy, but it's, it's one that like is a romantic comedy that points, uh, fun at romantic comedies. And
1: I don't know. It's was Hellraiser hokey. I feel like Hellraiser is kind of hokey. Yeah. Hellraiser, feel- uh, Hellraiser is totally hokey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a terrifying movie, but uh, yeah, hokey. We've seen a lot of hokey movies, but this seems like a decent movie. Yeah, I would like say a, this one. It's
0: uh, I probably described it wrongly. Um, it's it's a romantic comedy, uh-huh. but it really plays with the form of romantic comedy. Okay. And it's true, but it's not totally true. They like fudge things to make it a movie.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> like well, I've heard the couple talk about the movie quite a bit.
1: Uh, oh, okay. So. Oh, yeah. cool! Well, I'm looking forward to it. This will be good. Who knows when it's gonna happen, but it will. We'll get to it as soon as we possibly can, and I think it's gonna be uh pretty good. Can't wait! All right, so grab
0: your popcorn, and we'll see you on Amazon. Woohoo! Have a laugh with Lauren and Sarah as they dip in and out of topics every other week on their shiny new podcast, Dippers. Weekly pop culture news you can use coupled with reviews, deep dives you can't refuse, and occasional interviews on Not Safe for Network. Every week, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies tracing their influences and effects on cinema. They also occasionally suffer through a really wretched stinker in the movie podcast, A Cosmic Void. Eric and Connor will guide you through the world of wrestlers on the big screen in the show you can understand just by its title, Movies with Wrestlers.